Hey church family, my name is Saul. I am the worship pastor here at Cornerstone Church. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Hope that this sermon inspires you, that it encourages you, and builds your faith. But we're so honored and thankful that you are listening in. Let's go ahead and just dive deep. And, and before we get going, I'll just say, uh, y'all, just the pastors, say hello. And thank you for allowing them to go up a day early. Y'all know Pastor Saul's getting married again. Again. He just got married three months ago. He's just, they decided to do it again. No, if you didn't know, their, uh, their wedding was happened during that freeze. And so the venue, you know, shut them out. Nobody was able to drive to San Antonio. They got married in the living room. And so, uh, so now they're, they're doing the big, the big one. You know, the, 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 I don't know, where everybody gets to come. You know what I'm talking about. And uh, go to it and celebrate and all that. So, I don't, you know, it's, I guess it's just the second one. The reception. Yeah. So they're going to do the whole ceremony thing also. Uh, so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna do it all. So that's so everybody's in San uh, San Antonio uh, area, and and uh, Sarah and I are here holding the fort down, and I will leave first thing in the morning. So thank you for allowing them to do that. Uh, they appreciate it so much, and uh, and yeah, and so I appreciate the opportunity to get to be down here with y'all. So yeah, all right, God, we just thank you for uh, our giving. And, uh, Lord, we want to be like you, and we know you're a giver. So just help us in this area. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'd like to, uh, I, I would like to talk to you uh, tonight on uh, just one particular idea around the life of David. Uh, David's becoming one of my favorite Bible characters, like favorite people in the Bible. There's just so much to... Uh, to him, to his life. There's so much to take from it. There's so much encouragement you get from it because, uh, you know, we give him a bad rap, give him a hard time because it's kind of messed up a little bit. Um, and so, but it, it gives me hope for my life, you know, because I've messed up. I've done some stuff wrong. And uh, so we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 19. And the title of my message tonight is, Did You Know David Had to Run for His Life? David had to run for his life. So 1 Samuel, uh, I should have I pre-went pre, uh, pre there, but I didn't. 1 Samuel chapter 19, and we're going to read verses 1 through 10. 19, 1 through 10. This is what it says. Are you ready? You know, when I was a kid, you know, I had to use those uh, coloring sheets over this. Saying, I've, I've gotten a lot better. So, <laughs> verse one Saul now urged his servants and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. Crazy. This is God's king, all right? Anointed one, trying to assassinate people. So, uh, uh, assassinate David. But Jonathan. Because of his strong affection for David, told him what his father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned him, you must find a hiding place out in the fields. I'll ask my father to go out there with me, and I'll talk to him about you. Then I'll tell you everything I can find out. The next morning, Jonathan spoke with his father about David, saying many good things about him. The king must not sin 
against his servant David, Jonathan said. He's never done anything to harm you. He has always helped you in any way he could. Have you forgotten about the time he risked his life to kill the Philistine giant and how the Lord brought a great victory to all Israel as a result? You were certainly happy about it then. Why should you murder an innocent man like David? There is no reason for it at all. Verse 6, So Saul listened to Jonathan and vowed, As surely as the Lord lives, David will not be killed. Afterward, Jonathan called David and told him what had happened. Then he brought David to Saul, and David served in the court as before. War broke out again after that, and David led his troops against the Philistines. He attacked them with such fury that they all ran away. But one day, when Saul was sitting at home with spear in hand, the tormenting spirit from the Lord suddenly came upon him again as David played his harp. Saul hurled his spear at David, but David dodged out of the way, and leaving the spear stuck in the wall, he fled and escaped into the night. This is just one of many stories where King Saul tries to kill David, right? Time after time, throughout Saul's reign, he tries to get David murdered, tries to kill him, tries to assassinate him. And, and he knew that God had chosen David to be king after him, and he became jealous. It was jealousy. And so he continued to tried to murder him, and because of that, David spent a good portion of his life, or, or a portion of his life, I guess we don't know how long it was, but a portion of his life on the run, running for his life. He spent time going from place to place, from this area to this area, just trying to evade Saul, trying to stay away from the attacks of, of Saul and his men, and so he would hide out in caves and move around. Have you ever had to run for your life? I, uh, you, you know, I've told you, uh, I've said this before, a lot of you know, maybe some of you don't. When I was growing up, uh, we, we had cattle and, you know, uh, you know, I was a cowboy as much as I could be. I tried, you know, I tried. And uh, I know it seems crazy now. But, uh, you know, we had cattle, and so I did a lot of stuff with, uh, with, with you know, grew up around cattle, grew up, uh, you know, there, I don't know if you know this, there used to be a sale barn here in Winnie, an auction, and uh, it was on Fridays, and so uh, I got to skip a lot of Fridays and go work at the sale, right? So it was, you know, it was, it was awesome, right? And then, and then you get old enough to where you can help out, and, uh, and the guy walks up, and you get a paycheck for it. And then you're like, I would have paid to do this. You know, as a kid, you just love it. And uh, there's a lot of dangerous things that can happen, though. Right? A lot of dangerous things. I've been, I've been uh, kicked by a horse. I've been kicked by cows and, and all that stuff. I've been run over. I've been, uh, I've been hit by hot shots. And just, you know, just all the normal stuff that happens to people doing that type of, of thing. And, uh, and so I've got burn scars, like, on my arms from trying to halt a break, show calves, because I did that a lot. And uh, just, you know, just fun stuff. And when you're, working, when you're working calves, cows, it can get a little crazy at times. And so I, I know I've told you this before, but I've got picture evidence tonight to prove to you. Picture evidence. Here we go. 
These are throwbacks, people. These are throwbacks. There we go. There we go. This is me almost dying over here out on the left. So I don't think the ropes should be doing that. And, uh, and this is me. This is me running for my life right? Me running for my life, I'm pretty sure I have a smile on my face. It's amazing how you can get run over by a cow, bucked off a horse, and just a smile stays on your face the whole time because you just love it that much. Pretty sure my grandpa's over there in the, in the corner just laughing hysterically, uh, hoping that I get trampled by that calf that just got loose. And, uh, and so picture evidence used to, used to cowboy, right? And, uh, and so I... Uh, I need to move on. That's my, this is my, I'm not going to hang out there. That's my run for my life story, okay, right there, running from, from, from all that. <laughs> it seems crazy that David had to run for his life. I mean, if you think about it, it seems crazy that he had to run for his life. He, I mean, think about everything that had happened up until this point. He was anointed by the prophet to be king. He was called by God to be the future king. He had, you know, killed Goliath. He had fought bears and lions and done all these things. And yet, running for his life. Running for his life. It's interesting because, see, I thought after God calls you and anoints you, I thought you don't argue anymore with your, your spouse. You know, like I thought, I, I thought after God anoints you and calls you that everything falls into place, that everything lines up, that you get the perfect job, that you, you know, your kids actually start listening to what you say. You know, I thought that's how it worked. I know. I'm learning. I'm learning. I thought that everything just lined up, as Pastor Brad would have said if he were here, I thought life would have been cream puffs and butterflies, right? You know? Uh, just you know, and um, here's the trap that we fall into. Here's the trap that we can fall into if we're not careful, is that we view our life through our circumstances. We view our life through our circumstances, and not the call of God on our life and the anointing on our life. If bad things happen to us, we feel like God doesn't care about us, right? If, if, uh, if, if life stinks, then, man, God's not in it. He's, he's abandoned me. Um, and we have this tendency to forget everything God has done and said when life gets hard. We end up sounding, sounding like David in the Psalms, you know, just roller coaster of emotions. God, where, where are you? Have you left me? We sound like, you know, the prophets who, uh, who just said you know, like, God, you've abandoned me. One prophet said, I'm the only one, you know, I'm the only one. There's no one else, you know, that's fighting for you. And, uh, and we can feel like that. Just because life is hard doesn't mean God has abandoned you. I know your friend might have stabbed you in the back, but God's call on your life is still true. I know that you had to grow up with only one parent, but God's plan for your life is, remains the same. I know your mom got sick, but you're still anointed by God. 
I know that you've gone, maybe gone through a divorce, but God has not abandoned you. I know your children aren't living in the promise, but it doesn't negate what God has for you. So my question for you is, what type of person are you going to be? What type of people are we going to be? Are you going to be the person who views their life through their circumstances or through the calling and anointing of God on your life? And listen, I, I'm, I'm with you in that I understand and know it does not make sense all the time. Like, God, if you love me, then why would this happen? God, if you cared about me, then why would this have taken place? God, if you had a plan for me, then what in the world? You know, and you're just sitting here, taking a moment, sitting down, looking at your life, thinking this is all wrong. I did not have this. And, 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 and so I, I, I understand. I'm with you. But I do know that Jesus gave us a promise in John chapter 16, verse 33. He said, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Man, I wish he would have just said a trial or a sorrow, but, I mean, many, right? It's there. Many trials and sorrows. And uh, there are, you know, if you're at a spot where, where you're like, man, I'm just, you know, life's good and great, and just know, Jesus promised we're going to go through trials and sorrows. It's just going to happen. That's not me speaking negativity over your life that's not me declaring bad things it's just me telling you what Jesus said it's clear through the scripture that we can't base our life off of life we can't base our life off of life we must base it off the calling on our life the anointing on our life and listen I struggle Man, there are just some areas that I'll just be talking to God about, and I'm saying, I'll just say, Lord, I love you, but if A, B, or C happens, Lord, I don't, I don't know what I'll do. I mean, you start talking about your children and just thinking about, you know, and it's just like, Lord, I, you know, I hope I'll be faithful. I hope I'll remain. And I'm, I'm you know, if that, uh, if, if, if me telling you that, like, you know, I'm sorry that I'm just like that. I don't know. I'm sorry I struggle in that area. I'm sorry that I asked myself that question. I wish I was, you know, I wish I had better faith. I don't, you know, I don't know what to tell you. I just, it's there. <laughs> and so I, I ask myself these things, and I talk to the Lord about it. And uh, some days I feel really confident that I'm like, Lord, I know I'd be faithful. And then, man, there are other days where I'm just like, Lord, I would really, really, really need you to do something, you know, if I were going to stay. And you might be asking yourself the question, um, like, around the idea of calling and anointing and saying, well, I don't have that. I don't know what that is. I don't have one of those for my life. But, um, but you do, and I'm going to show you. So the first, first point, if you will is you are anointed. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 says this, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. You know all things. So you're anointed to know the truth. 
You're anointed to know the truth. You're anointed to live in the truth. You're anointed to walk in the truth. You are anointed. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 21. This is the Mirror Study Bible. Translates this verse this way. A little bit different. Um, uh, it, it's, he translates it this way. God himself authorizes our oneness with you in Christ. He is our anointing. Jesus is our anointing. So you live and move and have your very being in Christ. Let me say it this way. You live and move and have your very being in the anointing. You live in the anointing. You move in the anointing. You breathe in the anointing. You are also anointed to accomplish a specific task, right? You're anointed to walk in truth, live in truth, you know, that whole deal. But you're anointed to accomplish a specific task. And if you don't know, if you don't know what that task is, if you're, you know, you're here and you're like, man, I'm, I'm just unsure. I don't really know. I don't have any direction when it comes to, like, God told me to do this or that or you're anointed for this or that, you know. Um, my challenge to you is just spend time with God. You know, it'd be really cool for someone to get a prophetic word and come and tell you, uh, which that shouldn't be the first time you're hearing it probably. It should be more of like a confirming thing to you. It should be something that's already in your heart that you know. Uh, but that might not happen. You might actually just have to hear God for yourself. You might have to spend some time and seek and spend time in prayer. We went to... Uh, uh, some of you will know uh, Gerald Davis, who had uh, he, he he's come to the church a few times before before I ever started coming coming to the Cornerstone, and uh, we went out and had lunch with him probably a month ago. Pastor Lotus loaded up all the staff and said, "Hey, we're going to go have lunch," and uh, he shared a story with us that you know he he knew like. He knew like Oral Roberts, and he knew uh, he knew uh, who else did he know? He knew some some other like big names of people who, you know, preachers that are very well known and things like that. But the the story I remember the very most was actually a story about him. It wasn't about any of those other people that he that he shared about. And so he talked about how when he first started preaching, he uh, he 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 would go to the to the bookstore, whatever Christian bookstore, and he would buy these little books, and it had had uh, sermons in them. And he would go in, and he would just scratch notes in them, and you know, get an idea. But he never came could get his own material. You know what I'm saying? And uh, so they had a guest speaker come in, who preached. It was awesome. He says it was one of the greatest messages I've ever heard. I still remember it to this day. And he said, "We're driving to lunch." We're driving to lunch, and my son, who was probably like five years old, six years old, whatever, my son goes, Daddy, that's a professional preacher, huh? And like, even, and, uh, and he said, he said, man, I knew I shouldn't have done it, but I, I asked the question. I said, well, son, what does that make me? And he said, oh, Dad, you're a flat tire. <laughs> he said, it destroyed him. <laughs> And he said his wife got onto his kid and was like, you can't do that to dad. And he was like, oh, dad, it's okay. You've got a little bit of air in the tire, <laughs> you know, trying to make it better. <laughs> but uh, I, I just thought, he said it destroyed me, you know. And I thought it was the best story because of what happens next. He, 
He said, from that day forward, I committed to just seek God. And he said, I knew from that moment on, God, if you, I can't live like this. I can't do ministry like this. I can't move in the anointing like this. I can't do my calling like this. I need you to speak to me. And for weeks, that goes by, and he's just seeking God, seeking God. And then one day, boom, he actually gets a message from the Bible. That's what he says. He said, I actually got a message from the Bible. It was amazing. <laughs> and so, uh, so you've got to be willing to seek for the things that you want. And if you want to know what you're anointed for, if you want to know the specific thing that God would, would just ask of you, then you've got to be willing to seek him. We, it's, easy to get, um, it's easy to get busy and place that stuff on the back shelf. Because, man, let's be honest. We've got jobs. We've got to make a living. And there ain't no, I don't know about y'all, I'll speak for myself, there ain't no thinking about that type of stuff when I get home. I got, you know, with just the season of life I'm in, I'm, you know, busy with kids <laughs> hanging out. There's no thinking like that going on. So you've got to make time for it, create space for it in your life. But there is a more general task, a more general task that every believer is anointed for. So as you're trying to figure out what you're anointed for, as you're trying to figure out what God's maybe calling you to do specifically, there's something just in general that you know God's put his finger on your life and says, go and do this, and it's to be salt and light. Salt and light. You're anointed to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. So no matter how specific the direction gets, that's always going to be the backbone of it, right? No matter what you do, it's still going to be salt and light, salt and light. So what about my calling? You have a calling. That's point number two if you want to do that. So I'm called to be a pastor, right? I'm called to be a pastor. I'm thankful for it, but this is actually not the most important calling on my life. Think about when Jesus called the disciples. He wasn't walking around. He didn't say, hey, Peter, um, let's go and uh, follow me, and we're going to heal the sick. He didn't say, hey, Bartholomew, come on, we're going to go and change people's lives. He didn't say, hey, Judas, come on, we're going to go and help the poor. He, he, you know what he said? Simply follow me. Follow me me the most important calling you have on your life is the call to simply follow Jesus you know the call of God on your life will always possess an element of loss it's always going to have an element of forsaking you're going to lose something if you're going to follow if you're going to be called if you do not have to forsake anything to live in your calling, then you're not walking in the right calling. You've constructed your own, and you follow in your own what you've come up with, the calling you've come up with, and plan for yourself. Jesus said if you lose your life, you'll find it, right? So there is an element of loss that is going to take place. Think about 
uh, think about something that you plant, right? Something that you plant. You take a seed, uh, you put it into the ground, it dies, and growth happens, right? Growth happens. What element gets the seed from death to life? The environment. The environment that you place the seed in is what gets it from death to life. And here's another trap for us. This is a trap that we can get caught in. Is that we take the seed and we look at the seed and we gather all our friends around and we're like, we need to pray about this seed and we rebuke the seed and, you know, we do all this stuff with the seed because we know the seed needs to die so that growth will happen. You think about this in the area of your life, sin, you know. We pray about it, we, we rebuke it, we, we do all these things. We spend all of our energy trying to get the seed to die and inevitably it doesn't. And this is what it means to be sin conscious. Living life, waking up every single day, saying, Lord, help me not to drink. Lord, this is sin consciousness. This is a trap. Waking up every day, Lord, you know, I've been cussing. I've been trying to quit. Lord, help me not to cuss. Lord, help me not to do this. Help me not to do that. Help me not. It's this living life, uh, living with a don't perspective. That's what sin consciousness is. You're so focused on what not to do. We put our focus on the seed, and our focus should be on environment. Should be on environment. Environment is the only thing I can actually control. Right? Like, I, I can't make the seed die. I, I can't make growth happen. But what I can do is I can place myself in an environment where both of those things will take place. Both of those things can take place through environment. And uh, you read through the Bible, and you're going to run across uh, rules and regulations and commandments and, you know, things like that. And, and some people will take these verses and, and view God as this cosmic killjoy. He just wants to suck the fun out of life and doesn't want me to have fun. And, you know, um, but God's desire for us is to have life and life to the full. That's his heart. That's what he wants. He, want, he literally wants us to live the best life we could ever, more than we could think, ask, or imagine. Just this incredible life that he has planned for us. And all he does in scripture is lay out, a, lay out a prescription. That's all he does in scripture is lay out a prescription for us to live life to the full. Live life abundantly, right? If you want to live life to, to the full, sex inside of marriage. He says it's the way to go. It's the way to do it. It's the prescription. Honoring your father and mother. It's the way to go. It's the way to do it. Not being angry is the way to to go. I, uh, I, really, I really debated on whether to share this or not, because normally, here's what we do as preachers. I'm just going to, can I get real with you? Everything we preach, that's what God's doing in our heart a lot, you know? I mean, you know, and you know this. Uh, so, I normally like to get 
behind whatever it is, you know, a little while out. You know, I don't necessarily experience something, you know, and then preach it the next day. Uh, but I'm going to do that tonight and break all the rules. Uh, <laughs> so I said not being angry is the way to go. I've experienced in uh, over the last week, you know, Sarah and I kind of got into it, right? And uh, it's, you know, it happens, you know, no big deal. And, uh, I, I, you know, for some of you, if I, I, I'm not going to share what it was, but for some of you, you would be like, Taylor, you're silly. You know, like, why, why would you even worry about that? But for me, it was important to me. And, uh, you know, we'll be honest, uh, just to, you know, I'm the girl in the relationship, and Sarah's the guy in the relationship. So, you know, I just, you know, it just, I'm just the emotional one, okay? And so I got a little emotional. And uh, so I experienced anger in a way that I, I, I guess I don't think I ever have. I mean, you know, like I, I, can, I can get angry. I can, you know, do that. But, but I mean, I experienced blood boiling I know, I'm sorry to admit this to you. <laughs> Don't think less of me, or you can, either way, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> I experienced just blood boiling, just anger, right? And I'm talking three days silent treatment, you know, just because so angry. And uh, man, I was just having a difficult time, you know? I was having a difficult time, and so I was just talking to God and like, man, I just, I don't know what to do and, you know, blah, 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 just, you know, whatever. And, uh, and so finally the Lord spoke to me, you know, after three days trying to give Sarah the silent treatment. And uh, I, I think she was fine, you know. She's in there watching TV. I'm like, how could she be watching TV, you know? Like, jeez. I'm in here suffering, thinking about our relationship. <laughs> she's watching TV, eating ice cream. You know, she's good. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, man. And uh, so anyways, finally the Lord speaks to me, and I experience real breakthrough. Like, I'm talking like, you know, I've never, I've never really had to experience breakthrough with anger before. It's just not been something, you know, not like that. And uh, so I experienced breakthrough just Revelation, just, you know, and here's what I learned coming out of this is that anger is blinding. You can see nothing else. I started thinking about all the stuff I don't even like here at my job. I'm telling you, I started thinking about this and that and this, and I, it just, I was blinded. I started thinking about every single, like, every single thing thing that I could possibly think of that I don't like or just you know it just have you been there okay thank you whoo I feel better I feel better I'm glad I mean I started thinking about the job and everything just uh, everything was just everything that was wrong and man I just realized love uh, anger is blind it will blind you you can't see the good you it's just a wall so don't get angry. That's why, you know, get breakthrough. Get breakthrough. Don't live that way. Man, I'm telling you, it's, whew, I'm just upset just thinking I live three days like that, you know? 
And uh, whew, it's hard. It's a hard way to live. So I need breakthrough. You want to know what the breakthrough was? Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I, uh, so I'm compiling this list in my brain of all the bad, of all the negative. And I'm like, Lord, how am I supposed to live with this? You know, what am I supposed to do? What can I? And, and this is what God speaks to me. He, he just spoke to me and said, all that stuff, you know, we made a commitment, covenant. All that stuff is a work in progress. You don't have to accept those things, but it doesn't mean that they're going to change today. Man, it was breakthrough for me to know that I could walk in forgiveness. She could, you know, I don't know, whatever she needed to do. I don't know. I just I needed to forgive, and she needed to pat me on the back or something. <laughs> Let me sulk for a little bit. And, uh, and so, uh, man, that was, it was freeing for me. You know, man, all this, you know, I may, I'm in covenant with this person. All this stuff doesn't have to change, but also I don't have to be okay with some of these, you know, things that I deem issues. Maybe the Lord will change my mind on those too. Um, so, you know, but we can work through them, right? Okay, anyways, I'm moving on. I'm moving on. Loving your enemies is the way to go, right? It's, it's, it's the prescription that God has given to live life abundantly, to have abundant life. God lays out the blessed life, and all I have to do is place myself in the environment that he's given. I've just got to be willing to live in it. When I'm in the right environment, the right things die and the right things grow. When everything's in its right place, that's when I walk in my calling. That's when I walk in the anointing. It doesn't mean that the situations are perfect. It doesn't mean that everything on the outside is perfect, but what it means is I've aligned my heart with God. I've gotten my heart in the right spot. When I walk in the anointing, when I walk in the calling, it's because the right things are in the right place, the right things are dying, the right things are growing. You know when the when things are not in their proper place, all our attention all our focus, all of our energy, all of our effort, all of our prayers, all of our service is to try to right that. So you really can't operate in your anointing. You can't operate in your calling because you're so busy trying to get your heart right. I mean, I've been there. I was there for three days just this week. Okay? Okay? <laughs> so. Well, last week. Carried over. Yeah. Carried over. So. Gosh, now y'all know it was on a Sunday. <laughs> Gotta quit talking. All right, stick to the notes. When I, when I walk and live in the calling and the anointing that God has for me, I find fullness of life, and I impact the lives of the people around me. I impact the lives of the people around me. You know, Jesus wasn't anointed for himself. This is what he says uh, in Luke chapter 4 
eight, verse 18 and 19, Jesus starts quoting the Old Testament. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pro to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus was anointed for the sake of others. And you are too. I am too. We're anointed not just for ourselves, but so that we can have an impact on others. Jesus is the greatest example we have of what it looks like to be called and anointed. And just like David had to run for his life, even though he was called and anointed, Jesus experienced some difficulties in life. A whole town begged him to leave. Like a whole community was like, just leave us, just go. His disciples fell asleep when they should have been praying. Judas betrayed him. Peter denied him. Thomas doubted him. The religious leaders hated him. Satan tempted him. The Roman soldiers mocked him. Jesus was anointed and called, and he still experienced the cruelty of life. He was called and anointed and still experienced the brutality of culture. He was called and anointed and still experienced the evil of the enemy. And you might be running for your life right now. And you might feel like you're running for your life. But I want you to know you are still called and anointed. You're still called and anointed. My last reminding thought is this. Don't view life through your circumstances. Listen, this one's big for me. You know, I told you, preaching myself here. <laughs> Don't view life through your circumstances. View them through the calling and anointing that God has on your life. You're anointed for truth. You're anointed for salt and light, and you're called. You're called. Amen? Amen. Let's stand, and we're just going to pray, and then we're, if you, if you would, I mean, obviously, if you don't have a, if you're not waiting on a kid or a teenager, or specifically a teenager, if you're not waiting on them, you know, you can go, but uh, if we could give the teenagers just a little bit of time, we're finishing early, so we can hang out, and uh, Molly's up there preaching, so I'm excited about that, and she was, you know, really has a word from God, so I think they'll, they'll probably need their whole amount of time, and, uh, so, so yeah, so God, I just thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for the calling and thank you for the anointing. God, and I, I, I just pray over every individual here that they would recognize they're called, that they would recognize they're anointed and they would begin to live and move and operate in it. Lord, help us not to view our life through our circumstances. Life throws us curveballs, but God, you remain true. And you help us through every season, walk us through every season of life. And so I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. Love you so much. Feel free to hang.